You're listening to Fair Market Value, Christie's Art Market Insights Podcast. Hello and welcome to Fair Market Value, Christie's Art Market Insights Podcast. I'm here in our podcast studio. My name is Joey Quigley. I'm in our trusts, estates, and appraisals department here at Christie's in New York, and I'm here with my co-host, Joanna Ostrom. Hi, everyone. I'm Joanna. I am the co-head of Christie's Trust, Estates, and Appraisals Department, and I'm thrilled to be back here with you, Joey, for episode number three of Fair Market Value. Episode number three. And for episode number three, we have a great guest, uh, Lindsay Griffith, in our prints and multiples department here in New York. And we're so excited to have Lindsay with us today. I think many of you out there probably hear a lot about the major marquee sale weeks we have in May and November of modern and impressionist and post-war and contemporary art. And these are these are important moments for Christie's, but I think a category that sometimes is overlooked but that is equally important and equally dynamic is the prints and multiple category. And Lindsay heads that department for us at Christie's. So we're thrilled to have her here today. And we are going to talk today about kind of what is a print, what is what what makes up prints and multiples, what drives value in that department and kind of what the collector base is like and what collectors who are collecting prints should look out for. So it should be a really good conversation. And without further ado, let's just welcome Lindsay to the podcast. Welcome, Lindsay. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so to kick off, I guess, tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to Christie's. Sure. So I am the head of department in New York for the Prince and Multiples Department. I have been at Christie's as of last week for 14 years. Oh, Bravo. Uh, which is exciting. Um, but I, I started at Christie's as a summer intern in the American Furniture Department. And then I bounced around a little bit and did a tour of Old Masters. And then I worked for Stephen Lash for a year. And then I started in the Prince of Multiples department in 2010, and I have been there ever since. If you could see my face, you'd see my reaction to Lindsay's trajectory. I've been here the whole time with you, yet I didn't know all of these. I was like a super. I think like it's always interesting to find out like the different like internship paths that people have started here because yeah. I feel like so many people start as an intern, and I love when it's such a wildly different thing than where you started. Yes, I was actually, I, I did a quick tour of the maritime art department back when that was a no thing. No way. IP maritime art. And cataloged, I, I learned what a binnacle was in the way that like you totally can when you are in an auction house and you get random knowledge. But no, I've been in the print department since June 2010. Um, and it's a pretty wonderful place to be. So tell us a little bit about what head of the Prince department entails. So I am responsible for managing the department in New York, which mainly means that I focus on business getting for the sales. I work with clients and their, you know, building their collections. So I do some appraisals, but it's mainly out sort of helping people buy and sell their prints and also sort of working in the marketplace with dealers and museums and institutions. But it's really primarily about bringing prints in and helping people buy and sell. Could you talk to us more, Lindsay, about what qualities you need to be a great print specialist? Well, good question. Yeah, I think it's the same qualities. You know, I think there's a misconception that we're a little bit of a different bunch than what you need to be in a fine art <laughs> specialist. But I think, you know, there is a real expertise that is something that people really value in our field. I think because prints, by definition, are, are a comparative exercise. So people are always sort of thinking about, have you seen this before? Have you seen this impression? How does it compare to the last one you've seen? But I think, I don't know, we were just talking about this before, like, do you need to be a nerd to be a print specialist? I would say most of us would identify that we are. Uh, That's why we love you all so much. um, But I think it's, you know, we're also very 
proud of sort of understanding that it's it's an intellectual exercise, you know, because it's all a comparative one. Yeah, and so when you say comparative, I guess maybe elaborate for our listeners. It's because you're working in editions, and there's multiples in each edition, and so of well, course should you... we say what a print is? Yeah, yeah why don't we start there? Back. So, what is a print, Lindsay? So, I think th- this is like always like my opening preamble. Always like, right? What does everyone think a print and multiple is? Crickets. Uh, <laughs> it is. I think it's so. It's a limited edition work on paper, right? That's been made by an artist traditionally using what we call a matrix so it's a it's a but basically it's a printed surface like does everyone remember making potato prints in elementary school when how you could we ca- not when you carve an image into a potato yeah. and press it down on a piece of paper that, that that is what a print is but what we sell at Christie's are limited edition fine art prints now that means that it's not a poster it's not like your dorm room poster it's not a just general reproduction like something that you know you take a digital print and you know make an Aspen edition of unlimited size right it usually means that it's a you know it's an etching or a lithograph there are sort of many different terminologies of different types of printmaking different types of potatoes exactly different types of potato <laughs> printing yeah. um but you know it's it's which off you know that's a materiality thing so the way that things are made prints is a bit of an unusual department at Christie's because we're defined by our medium, mm. which is really different than being defined by a time period, mm. which, and that's true, you know, that's always been true in the museum culture as it relates to prints too. It's, it's a bit like photography, but I think we, that's what's always been really exciting to me is every day in the print department is going to look really different. Mm-hmm. As you guys know, if like it can be, you know, there are, experts in our department, specialists in our department who are old master print specialists, you know, all the way through to people like me who specialize in contemporary prints that, you know, I'm working on a sale that has prints that were printed this year. And that to me has always been as someone with like such a low capacity for boredom. I, I find <laughs> you're in which, the right spot, which like is true at an auction house generally. Right. But it's, it's really true in our department that every project that you work on is a little bit different, which is I, I find that really inspiring all the time. Should we talk more about the comparison process that yeah. you guys undergo? I think that would be interesting for us to learn more Sure. About. So I think, you know, it's a bit of a different process when you're evaluating a print than how you would think about a painting. There are certain things that impact the value that are always the same. So, you know, the nature of the artist's market, the nature of the composition, the scale, the rarity, things that, you know, our colleagues in paintings and drawings departments think about also. But when you have more than one of something, you're always thinking about how, you know, the way our buyers think about it is how, well, how does it compare to the one that I saw last time or the one that I've seen mm-hmm. in a different sale? So there are two things that really impact that, right? There's the nature of how it's printed. And really, to be nerdy for a moment, the whole history of the 20th century printmaking is to really make prints that look as close to being the same within an edition as humanly possible so that people mm-hmm. couldn't rifle through the drawers and say, I want the best one. But also the most important, really beyond sort of the market impacts of, you know, the nature of an artist's market or the nature of the subject is condition. So what we are thinking about is like, right, you know, what does this look like? Does it look like it's been hung in a bathroom for 30 years or does it look like it's been in a drawer? And also condition is really a comparative exercise. So are you saying for print collectors out there and those of us who maybe are starting to collect that we should not hang our prints in the bathroom? I mean, you really should not. I also just have to say, like, please don't hang them anywhere near your dishwasher. Don't hang them. You know, don't hang them near sources of moisture. Water and paper. Water and not so much. I mean, I think prints are... 
prints are, you know, works on paper are really much more vulnerable to the elements than, say, a canvas, which at the end of the day will be pretty hardy. So it's also like make sure that if you have really nice prints to, you know, leave your air conditioner on and don't mm. let them, you know, bake in the sun. But these are and these are all things that we think about when we think about writing a condition report. What has happened to the life of this print? Mm -hmm. It's interesting to me that compared to the paintings and sculpture departments, for them, condition is somewhat of a take it or leave it thing. It's like this is the only one of this type. And compared to all the other types of, let's say, a very nice Mark Rothko painting, yeah, the condition is probably going to be relatively similar. And sometimes these things degrade and sometimes they are what they are. But what you're saying is for like an edition of Liechtenstein hot dog prints that you can compare all 20 in that edition, not just to other Liechtenstein prints, but to each other. Yeah. And, and so that's when you really see, I mean, the market for prints is very related to the overall art market, right? So, you know, if Liechtenstein, the nature of the market for Liechtenstein prints is going to be very tied to the overall market for Liechtenstein. But when you see how an edition has performed over the years, sometimes the pricing will coalesce sort of around the same numbers. But when you'll see big spikes in any either direction, really most of the time that's been because of condition. Hmm. Like the colors on Liechtenstein prints, for example, it's always <laughs> all about the those pop prints where they will sometimes fade over time. And a lot of times things that were printed in the 60s were really designed with, you know, sort of more commercial-based inks. They weren't sort of thinking about the longevity of these images when they were made, really. And so when the prints are really fresh and vibrant, that's when, for a Liechtenstein, that's where you'll see, like, an exceptional, you know, 30% jump in the mm. numbers. Whereas other times you'll, like, be scrolling through and you'll be like, huh, why was that one price so low and you'll realize you're like, ah, oh, yes, because it was totally faded or because, you know, something has happened to it. I have a follow-up question on that, which is, do you find that like when you sell things online for prints versus selling things on your in your live sale, is it easier for people to distinguish condition online versus live, live versus online? Oh, that's a really interesting question. I, I think, well, this is, I mean, part of what our huge job is, particularly our cataloging team, it's to write that condition report mm -hmm. and to really we always think like our conditional report is designed that if you were standing, like how would you describe this print to someone who is thinking about buying it? It's a description of the condition. And so that report, whether it's in a live or an online sale, exists and is really something that people need to keep in mind and to think about. I think people are really, it's a really exciting thing in the print department that people are, are very comfortable bidding and buying on prints online. I think mm -hmm. that has to do with the fact that they're relatively familiar images. The surfaces themselves are quite flat. Like you don't need to see, I mean, I always would want people to come in and see things in person, but I think people are very, very comfortable transacting in our space And I online. think it's important to make the distinction here between our live and online sales. Many of our listeners will be familiar familiar with this, but I think it's to make clear that our live sales are accompanied by uh, a live in-person viewing of all of the prints, whereas many of the online sales, there may not be. They're sort of much more open by appointment or there's less sort of a public sale view where right. people can come in and see things. And I think another really interesting thing about a print view is that people really ask to come in and see stuff out of the frame. Yeah. And I think, mm -hmm. I mean, you guys have seen our views. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a there's an unframing table. Right. Like, one of the first things that I learned as a cataloger was, like, how to operate a power drill so that I could take <laughs> something out of a frame. Good life skills. Which I was, like, very not prepared for. <laughs> um, but I think it was, you know, that's where I think print specialists are also extremely hands-on. Like, mm -hmm. you'll see a lot of the time we're sort of looking at the nature of the sheet and taking it out of the frame. And, and a lot of our clients think, and particularly our trade clients, 
really will say, right, have you seen it out of the frame? And they will come. And that's really the purpose of a print view a lot of the time is for people to see things out of the frame. Well, maybe we should get down to brass tacks and just talk about money and sure. what 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 is value in the print world and what what creates value? What is the what moves the market? Sure. Well, there's a few different things. I I think one of the biggest things that I would like to say is I think there's a there's a perception that prints all prints are cheap, and that's not necessarily true. I think there's mm-hmm. there are definitely very affordable places to get to buy and transact in the print world, and I think we are one of you know we probably have some of the lowest estimates in some of our sales. Like you can buy wonderful prints for less than $5,000. And that's true in the greater marketplace. And it's also true at Christie's, but we also sell things that are, you know, million dollar things in the evening sale. There's a huge range of value in the print market. And I think that's another really exciting reason for collectors that they can sort of jump in at all different price points. The nature of the print market is also tied to the overall market. And so I think when people think about what makes a print valuable, yes, there are specific things to that print, like as we discuss, like condition or the nature of the impression. But also it's it's tied to the overall market for that artist. So Andy Warhol prints are some of the most commercial things in our market. They're some of the most expensive things that we sell all year. A complete Maryland portfolio is you know, a multi-million dollar object, but that's also because it's an important object for that artist. You know, it's a 60s important subject. You know, it's a screen print that is very tied to the artist's overall practice during that period. So, of course, it's considered, you know, one of the most expensive things in our medium. And the inverse, unfortunately, is also true. When things fall out of fashion and there are, you know, for example, traditional black and white 19th century prints so that's that's a market that has cooled in the last several decades, which is also true, unfortunately, of the overall market for those artists as well. Well, perhaps those are also areas of the market where there are opportunities. Yeah. I mean, I think, well, I mean, there's, and that's true, I think, in every decade there are places, you know, I think, for example, Edward Hopper prints are so undervalued when you think about how wonderful those subjects are. Mm-hmm. But I also think Robert Rauschenberg prints are undervalued. Mm-hmm. He's someone who, talk about someone who really loved the collaborative quality of the print studio and really was so important to places like ULAE for decades and decades and made tons of prints. But his prints, when you think about the relationship of you know, those compared to his peers, those prints are such a great buy. I think there are wonderful Robert Rauschenberg prints for less than $10,000. Is it true that like, as we've seen in recent seasons, that the kind of contemporary side of post-war and contemporary has really kind of surged in terms of interest and values and stuff like that? Have you seen that also happening with contemporary prints as well? Have contemporary prints like by, let's say, Jonas Wood or, or, or similar artists like that, have those also surged in value? Well, I think it's just more that they, they're they in our sales at all. Like, I mm. think what you'll really see is that print sales, which used to be these sort of massive various owner catalogs that would be arranged alphabetically until recently, and then you'd think, right, the most contemporary thing in here is a Damien Hirst spot print. You know, mm. that would be kind of the last thing. Or really when we thought about post-war print, you know, you would finish at sort of Lichtenstein and Wesselman and that mm. would be that or Keith Herring maybe. And now what's really exciting is there's there's this sort of emerging new wave of contemporary prints. That's what we're selling this summer. And I think I think that's really exciting just to see a more, you know, diverse range of artists on offer. I think it's really great to be in a department that is still growing in terms of what is being made, which is I think a really cool and exciting place to be. And I guess we've been talking a lot about prints. But what we haven't been talking a lot about is multiples. 
Ah. <laughs> so what is a multiple try? <laughs> Quickly. That's for you, that's for you to answer. Quickly. What, what would you think a multiple is? Um, no, but a multiple, a multiple is a three-dimensional work that's been made by an artist in addition. So a multiple can mean so many different things. It can mean a Picasso ceramic, for example, or it can mean a Jeff Koons you know, enamel puppy. Right. It can mean a 3D printed object. It can mean, I'm trying to think of whatever, it can mean a Richard Arschweiger horse, rubberized horsehair blip. I mean, <laughs> it can be so many cool things. Um, Marion Goodman had an exhibition of Multiples Inc., which was two years ago. It was one of my favorite exhibitions that I've seen in New York in a really long time. And it was focused a lot on these multiples that were published by them. And you realize like the breadth and depth of what that can look mm -hmm. like. And you look at all these really super kooky, like Oldenburg ones that are all these like funny little like baked potato ceramic <laughs> things or um, I think the multiples are really it's a really funny thing but most in in the purest sense of what it is it's a three-dimensional edition work and I think that's an example of things that are really changing the definition all the time. And do you feel like contemporary artists are, are more likely to do like let's say a multiple than a print? I think it depends on the nature of the artist practice like Jeff Koons has done a lot of multiples, but I think it's because he's, you know, he's done a lot of sculpture too. Right. So I think it's a means of having more of that type of object out there. I think it, I think it also depends on like who they're working with at any given time. I think if they're, if they have a particularly sculptural practice, they're going to have more three-dimensional work. Right. Your question makes sense when you think about the overall market, how there has been an, an increased interest in the past decade or so in sculpture, that there, the prices for sculpture and other types of three-dimensional pieces have increased in the market overall. Yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, people have been making, artists have been making multiples for a long time. I think it's, it's primarily a 20th century phenomenon as I think about it, but I think it's, it's something that particularly the pop artists of the 1960s were really interested in making them. And Richard Arschweiger, Brooke Alexander, who recently is this very important gallerist for Prints and Multiples, who recently passed away, is someone who famously published a lot of them and really thought about them in an interesting way, particularly as it relates to Richard Arschweiger. I have a question, Lindsay. As, as we've mentioned, many of our listeners are people who work with clients who have major collections, who are advising them, who are planning around these collections. And we've touched upon some of these themes, but it would be great to hear from you what kind of advice you would give to these folks who are advising collectors. What should they look out for for clients who do have prints and multiples as a part of their collection? Well, I think the biggest thing is to tell them to really take good care of them. Mm -hmm. I think I think it's really there's a misconception sometimes that because they're sort of more affordable occasionally than a painting, people will, for example, really not take the time and the care to frame it properly. That's probably the mm -hmm. single biggest thing someone can do to protect their investment, really in any art investment, let's be real, is, is to make sure that you're actually taking care of it. But it's really to make sure that it's framed, it's gone to a proper framer who has mounted archivally also to make sure that they're paying attention to where they're hung in the house I think also just it's taking care of them but I also think it's asking questions and being curious and not feeling like you can't ask for a condition report or that you can't sort of have someone take a look at you know the best thing about coming to an auction house is that you can see things up close and impersonal and I think it's a mistake to make sure that you haven't asked as many questions about something as you possibly can. I'm so glad you point that out because I think our listeners should know that there are people like you who are here as a resource, that you and your colleagues on the print team want to be there to answer questions, to give advice. 
Yeah. Charge. I mean, I yeah, and I think the best thing is if you feel like you don't understand something in a condition report, that's my most important job should be to tell you, you know, to walk you through what that report means. And also you should feel comfortable to ask for sort of market data. Mm. I think people are afraid that, you know, we wouldn't share that information. Mm. We're very happy to provide comps all the time. And that's something that I think people don't don't know that they should be asking for. And we're also happy to provide updated appraisals. Don't kill me. I'm adding more workload to Lindsay's plate here. But, <laughs> lots and lots of appraisals. No, but I think it's, you know, that's an important thing, too, and to be aware of the trends in the market. And there are plenty of times where we encounter collections where somebody hasn't had an appraisal updated in 15 years. Mm-hmm. And the nature of the market for many things has changed. Ed Rocher prints, for example, used to be really reasonably priced, and now they've really gone up in value by a tremendous amount. So I think all, you know, the art market is many different types of markets, and and the print market is is tied to each and every one of those diverse and different markets. Is it that time, Joey? I think it might be that time. So, Lindsay, I'm a little nervous. Well, y- you've been prepped a little bit, but so now's the time for the bonus round, which is this is a safe space. Don't worry. It's all good. <laughs> if I panic and have no answer, we can pause and edit. Yeah, exactly. We can always edit. Um, and so in the bonus round, we like to ask you, what have you recently seen or read or watched that you really enjoyed? And then also, what's coming up that you're excited about? So I just finished The Candy House by Jennifer Egan, which I really, really liked as a book. It's all, it's, should you guys read Visit from the Goon Squad? I did. Um, so this is, it's kind of a, it's a very similar book, but it's all, it's, kind of focus on this like dystopian tech universe where mm. they yeah where you're thinking they're thinking about the idea of like downloading our consciousness like it's the wow. new way of thinking about social media I just I read it on vacation and I really liked it as a book I'm a big reader so I really liked that I'm gonna put that on my list I was looking for a new book so thank yeah you. I liked that one um I'm really excited to go see Louise Bourgeois is one of my favorite mm-hmm. artists another really excellent printmaker she's not as well known for her prints mm-hmm. but she really has made amazing she really made amazing prints but there's a show of her early paintings at the Met that I have not seen that I would like to see. Um, I'm also really excited to see um, Nina Schnell Abney has a a show up at the Gordon Parks Foundation upstate that I'd really like to go see that I was just, I just got sent an article about it from Ace. I saw it on their social media. So I really, really like her work. Are there any, can you recommend any books on like prints for our listeners if, if they're really, if they love, if this if is their favorite episode? Yeah, if people are as no, the book that I always tell people to start, MoMA has done, so MoMA famously has a really wonderful print room, but they have published a lot of really great, they're really great resources from them online. There's some really wonderful videos that they've done hmm. that are all about printmaking that I always send people to. But I also think there's a really great book that MoMA produced called What is a Print that is just like a great illustrated primer and it really walks you through each of the techniques in a really thorough and interesting way that I I totally recommend it. It's one of the things that it's like my go-to gift when people join us as a cataloger in the department. Cool. Good. It is it's a good beach reading. I mean it's a co- it's a coffee table book. So you'll be no. a little Don't Okay, I'll a, stick to the Jennifer Egan book. I was going to say the Jennifer Egan book is good. I I would read that one on the beach not what is a print. <laughs> Well, thank you, Lindsay. This was such a wonderful way to spend the afternoon. This was so fun. Yeah, this was great. We learned so much from you. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, guys. 
Thank you all for joining us again for Fair Market Value, Christie's Art Market Insights. We are so happy to have you here for our third episode. And if you like this podcast, again, we would love it if you subscribed to this podcast wherever you're listening, just so you can be sure to get the next one as soon as it comes right off the presses. And we have an exciting update. We now have a dedicated email address for the podcast. You can reach us at fmvpodcast at christies.com. And we really look forward to hearing from you, hearing your feedback, hearing your thoughts. We'd love to know who you want to hear from next at Christie's. So send all thoughts and emails our way. We're, we're, we're looking forward to hearing your feedback. We promise we'll respond. And that's a wrap. That's episode three. Thank you all so much and see you at the next one. <laughs>